Everybody said amen. amen. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter number 2. We're going to read verse 41 and 42, and then we'll drop down and read verse 46 and 47. The early church in the book of Acts faced a monumental challenge. And that challenge was regarding how to make disciples when they had so many new people coming in. And so what we're going to study for a little while tonight is the methodology that the early church used to make disciples. Acts 2, 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. To verse 46, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for your people. I pray that you would help us tonight to accomplish the purpose that you have for this service. God, I pray for your anointing to teach, and I pray, God, that you would bless our time together tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. And God bless you. You can be seated. When the early church in one day had 3,000 people added they were in desperate need of a plan to take these new converts and make them functioning and reproducing disciples. They enacted what has been called the 242 plan, named after the verse Acts 2 and 42 that we read. I'm going to read it again. The Bible said they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. The method for making disciples, first of all, is you have to preach and teach the apostles' doctrine. you got to preach the truth. You can't compromise the message. Secondly, you have to build the church off godly fellowship among the body of Christ. The people of God need godly fellowship. The breaking of bread is widely considered by most scholars to refer to the sacrament of communion that was to remind them of the cross and the blood of Christ. And then finally, promoting and practicing consistent prayer. Those are the keys to having a revival church. This plan has proven successful for over 2,000 years. It's so successful that it has given rise to what many call the house church movement. This is a movement where people consider their house to be their church and they don't have corporate gatherings or temple or tabernacle. That practice is not founded on the whole counsel of the Word of God. The Bible said in Acts 2.46, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. That is the method for discipleship by the early church, daily in the temple and from house to house. 
It was a two-pronged approach at disciple-making that propelled the church into a movement that turned their world upside down. It was that they were daily in the temple and from house to house. A church that only has temple worship is not a true New Testament church. And a church that only has house to house is not a true New Testament church. To really be a Book of Acts church, we need to be in the house of God and we have to promote fellowship from house to house. And when we do that, the Bible said in verse 47 that the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. Now, my, my hope tonight is to provide a very general background of, of what the Bible and history tells us about what we call life groups. The, in, the, in the course of church history, there have been many ideas and plans and programs designed to grow the church and to disciple believers. There is a veritable potter's field of ideas that worked for a while and then they went their own way. We have, uh, we have Sister Alexis here. She's down for six months from Nashville. She's interning at New Beginnings and we're glad to have her in our church while she's interning down here. And, uh, and she got two woos, so that's, that's good. Thank you. There you go. But when, I, I, don't even know, I don't even know if you were born yet. Years ago, when Bishop Jack Batson, he got an idea. They were winning a lot of people from poor neighborhoods. And, uh, and they were starting to come to church. And he got an idea. He, he told me that he thought the Lord gave it to him. He went and bought a bunch of, uh, of, of older limousines, used limousines. And he would drive through these bad neighborhoods and pick up people and bring them to church, treat them like kings. And for, and for a number of, I don't know, two or three years, man, it worked. Like they, they were, people were coming. The church grew. They had great revival. After a while, the effectiveness, the effectiveness of it wore off. They sold all the limousines, and they went and did something else. That doesn't mean that it wasn't a good idea. It meant that it was the great idea for the time. And so, in the course of church history, there are ideas that work for a season. Back a few years ago, it was the block bar party area and era, and, and there was a whole lot of stuff that, that like that, that that have gone on, and they've, they've brought results, and they've yielded, they've yielded fruit. But there are some ideas that are so deeply rooted in the Word of God that every church needs to practice the methodology of the New Testament church. Rooted that if done properly have worked for every generation from the book of Acts. And one such method is the small group ministries, what we call life groups. They, different uh, churches call them by different names. Uh, but, but what we're talking about is small group ministries or life groups like we call them here. I'll tell you that these life group ministries predate the church. They go back to the time of Moses. And before the church was born in Acts 2 to the ministry of Jesus Christ, the model of small groups in the local church is the primary scriptural method for disciple-making. Moses and Jethro. Moses had a, a father-in-law. His father-in-law's name was Jethro. They, they used small group ministries to maintain the children of Israel in the wilderness. 
It actually predates the church by over 1,400 years. Moses' task of leading the body of the, 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 the children of Israel, the congregation of Israel from Egypt to Canaan was quite possibly the most daunting leadership challenge in all of history. Millions of people from one nation to another without a supply chain. Moses felt the responsibility for all the needs, both natural and spiritual. His roles among the children of Israel was prophet, politician, provider, navigator, and the judge for millions of people. Even with his keen ability to hear the voice of God, the needs were overwhelming. Exodus 18 tells us the story of the visit from Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. He observed how Moses personally tried to meet the needs of the entire congregation. Morning till night, people stood, waited, while Moses handled all the situations among all the people. It consumed Moses' time from morning to evening. Not only Moses' time, but the time of all the people. Jethro knew this method was going to strain Moses and stress the people. All the people, all the people may have wanted Moses to give them their, his full attention personally. But it wasn't healthy for Moses and it wasn't an efficient way to handle the congregation. And so Jethro gave Moses a plan for how to minister to the needs of the people. Notice Exodus 18, 21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. The plan was for there to be leaders of smaller groups of people, the smallest of those groups being groups of 10. These captains of 10 would help Moses with the ministry of this small group. It became the process by which Moses operated for the remainder of their wilderness journey. Can I tell you that churches become bogged down when one man tries to do too much? and takes the needs of an entire congregation only on himself. Even small churches have to learn to share the load of the ministry. Under this system that Moses put in, everyone was included in a group of 10. Every group of 10 was part of a group of 50. Every group of 50 was part of a group of 100, and so on and so forth. And it took what was the most daunting leadership challenge in history and made it manageable and healthy for the leaders and the people. Jethro wasn't shy to tell Moses what he thought about it. Look at Exodus 18.23. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so. He said, if you'll do it, and God's commanding you to. Then thou shalt be able to endure and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. He said, Moses, God's given you a plan. And if you'll do it, you'll last longer, and the people will have peace. And so the, this is 1,400 years before Pentecost in Acts 2. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. It's to emulate the actions, the teachings, and doctrines, the methods of Jesus. 
So let's look at the ministry of Jesus through the lens of life groups or small groups. We know that Jesus ministered to the multitudes. On at least two occasions, he fed multitudes by miraculously multiplying bread and fish. On another occasion, the multitude crowded him by the seashore so much that he got in a little boat and pushed out from the shore to teach from the ship because the multitude was there. But these examples aside, most of the ministry of Jesus Christ was done in smaller groups. In their book, Discipleship That Fits, by Bobby Harrington and Alex Absalom, they said, quote, Jesus focused on the small group more than the public group. Scott Bourne said that these smaller groups were the central ministry of Jesus. He primarily, primarily ministered to and with a group of 12. He continued to say that the way of Jesus includes these smaller groups. The primary expression of Jesus as a leader was found among him and his 12 disciples. He even had a smaller group known as the inner circle of Peter, James, and John that occasionally he brought out of the group of 12. William Beckham wrote, for three and a half years he lived with 12 leaders who were his special community. Joel Comiskey, who wrote a book titled 2,000 Years of Small Groups, he listed the small groups that Jesus led. He led one in the house of Peter in Matthew 8, one in the house of Matthew in Matthew 9, one in the house of Zacchaeus in Luke 9, Jesus in the house of Lazarus and his sisters, Luke 10, Jesus in the house of Jairus, Mark 5, Jesus healing two blind people in one house, Matthew 9, Jesus in the house of Simon the leper, Matthew 26. Jesus teaching his disciples in the house, Matthew 7. Jesus healing a paralyzed person in a house in Luke 5. Jesus in the home of a Pharisee, Luke 14. Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper in a house, Matthew 26. Jesus sent his 12 and his 70 disciples to heal and teach from village to village and house to house, Luke 9 and Luke 10. This was Jesus' way of training people for ministry. This was the way of making disciples. We discussed Acts 2 at the onset of this lesson. There's more examples. This is, it, it would be, a, there's, I mean, I've quoted from five books already, and, uh, and I, you can just trust me that there's more. I can go get them and read them all to you. Acts 5.42, daily in the temple. And in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Over and over, the Bible is clear that the early church met in the temple and from house to house. In the temple and from house to house. F.F. Bruce pointed out that after the first Pentecost, the believers met regularly in the temple for public worship and also fellowshiped in one another's homes. David Schenck and Irvin Stutzman spoke of groups meeting in homes and that these groups formed the larger congregation, which would also meet in the temple for corporate gatherings. It's estimated at the time of the apostles that there were some one to 200 home gatherings in the city of Jerusalem, and then they would meet at the temple 
for corporate worship. It's a similar system as found in the city of Corinth, that when the church spread in Corinth, Michael White calculated six separate home churches. Arthur Patiza said there were seven. Nonetheless, they would have their fellowship groups and then they would also meet together for corporate worship. The plan of God has always been to worship together in church and to disciple people from house to house. I had a, a pastor tell me that, that uh, church is had in rows and discipleship happens in O's. People aren't really discipled in church services. We get motivation, we get conviction, we get excited. But we really grow when we're in small groups and we discuss our issues and our trials and we're able to connect to people. Throughout history, the small groups have been used to make disciples. The monastic movements of the early centuries of the church, the Anabaptists in the 1500s, the Moravians in the early 1700s, John Wesley broke away from the Anglican church and birthed the movement known now known as the Methodists, but it was a movement of small groups. He found that the church wasn't growing, and so he began to meet with small groups in the church, and these small groups called and it caused an explosion that spread throughout all of Europe. In the early modern Pentecostal movement, small groups played a role in church growth. It was Charles Parham's Bethel Bible College. At its peak, only 40 students, where Agnes Osmond became known as the first person in the modern movement to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. William Seymour, the most famous preacher of the early modern Pentecostal movement, was kicked out of the church in L.A., and so he preached in a home at 214 Bonnie Bray Street. That, that house was visited with revival, and in that house, people started getting the Holy Ghost so much that they crowded the front porch, and the front porch broke. There were so many people on it that the porch broke, and that's when they rented the Azusa Street Mission that became the world-famous revival. What I've given you in the last 18 minutes and 37.9 seconds is a very limited view of the biblical and historical foundation for what we call life groups. To put it simply, when we started life groups, our church started having revival. I can take you back 2,000, I, I took you back 3,400 years, really, all the way back to Moses and Jethro, historically. I showed you in the book of Acts from several places how it was in the temple and house to house. And then I briefly recounted church history that gets us to today. But the most powerful thing that I can do is take you back about three and a half years when we first started having life groups. To be honest with you, it wasn't in my church paradigm. It wasn't in my, it wasn't in my mindset. And Brother Austin and Sister Elizabeth just bugged the fire out of me. 
they went to a, a, a conference, a church growth conference. And they came back, and they came back with all these ideas, and I was exhausted already. And so I told them, I said, pick one and start it. Just pick one. Do it well, pick one and start it. And so they picked the life group. They started hosting a, a, a life group at their house, young adults at their house. And that group of the church got on fire for God, and it ignited a revival that some 350 or so baptisms later we're still seeing the benefit from it. The, the greatest testimony that I can give for life groups is that it's turned our church around. And so what we're doing tonight is having a life group. And I'd rather have one of those more sturdy. Oh, good. Praise the Lord. Let's do that now. <laughs> I looked at that thing and I thought, I'm going to have to have that surgically removed. Be a, that'd be more of a death group. <laughs> but so what we have here is we have, we have a group of people. Some are life group leaders. Um, some are people that have been in life groups that have, have personal testimonies. And so what, I, what, what we thought we might do is for the next little while, I've got my, I left my timer up there. I can leave everything up there, but not my timer. But uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk for a while tonight. I wanted to, you to hear from people, and this is what, we're, what you're going to experience is sort of like a life group, except without, except the life groups. I don't think you all use microphones, do you? Okay. I didn't think so, but just to make sure. So what I would like is for somebody to start just by talking about what life groups have done for you and your family personally or for you personally. Um, if, there's, if there's anybody that'd like to, to start out. And I'm going to kind of let Brother Austin guide this, and then he's going to close us down in a few minutes. Well, I'll start it off. Uh, back in uh, when I came into church, uh, of course, you know, most of you all know my story or whatever. I started going to uh, Brother Danny's life group, actually. And this, the, the spiritual guidance that I received there in that life group it, I feel like it molded me in that time to really learn how to, to address the issues that I still had in my life. You know, because I had originally addressed them with the ways of the world. I didn't really know how to address them, you know, on a spiritual level. But through, through his teachings and through his life group, that, that's where I began to address my personal issues that were in the closet, you know, that, that we don't never want to talk about. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean there? And then in uh, following that in 21, when we had the snowstorm, people just kind of migrated to, to Kenyon and I's house. And we, we actually birthed the life group during that snowstorm in our home. And it, uh, I feel like it transformed our house, just, just the way our house operated. So. I mean, that's awesome. Brian and Leather, you all were in that. Leather just gave me a look like you, you called me out in front of everybody. Um, you all were in that first life group that started at Brother Austin and Sister Elizabeth's house. And, and, and I've watched you two personally transform and go to another level. And I think you both would probably agree. Um, 
Do one or two of you want to talk about that? <laughs> to, me, to me, it was amazing uh, to see the, how you could just connect with the people that you normally didn't connect with. There'd be people that you really never fellowship with, not that you didn't want to, you just, you know, maybe they sit on the other side of the church from you, but they'd be at life group and you'd get connected with them and, and, uh, and then you would just hit it off. But I'd also, who don't like a cookout? I love to go eat. <laughs> and every week, Sister Elizabeth would cook something that was awesome. And that's what I look forward to. But the fellowship, the fellowship was, uh, was just amazing. To be able to fellowship, have a good time, and eat, it was amazing for me. There you are. I got to quit turning it off when I'm not talking. Um, you just saw one of the, subtly saw one of the great benefits of a life group. Because the truth is that not everybody likes talking in front of a whole bunch of people. And so she's got stuff to say. Ask Brother Brian. <laughs> But not everybody wants to say it in a setting like this. That's one of the benefits of a life group, a small group, because it brings, it brings the ability to say, hey, this is what's on my heart. And there's not a couple hundred sets of eyes. It allows you to open up and connect. It's one of the great benefits of a life group. It, and, and I don't know if you did that on purpose, but thank you for illustrating it. <laughs> she has a microphone. I don't think she's going to use it. Uh, one of the things it did for me, we attended, we had a life group, and then we attended Brother Craig's and Brother Danny's, and I think all of them, basically, you know, we just visited them. But one thing it did for me as, um, as a lady in the church, it helped me walk into a new ministry or a new calling or let me, a calling that had been birthed for years, but I never really had a platform for. You know, the Lord would give you things to say, but you don't have anywhere to say it. So in a life group, it's been great because the ladies get called on and we speak. And, and you know, ladies, like, we like to talk. And God talks to us and we get to share. And other ladies say, oh, I'm feeling the same thing. You know, so it's unity. And it, you just encourage each other to grow in God. And I, that's one of the best things for me that I've, I've seen. When, when we moved to Holly Springs, we felt like we were called to the area, uh, not, not knowing anything, not really even knowing where we were in ministry or, or, or we were, we were learning all of that. And, um, you know, it was a task that seemed, uh, well, we were unprepared for, um, not equipped to do, wife really didn't want to be there. I, I, it wasn't part of a plan that we had, but we just felt a, a calling to that place. And then uh, not long after that, the life groups kind of uh, got started up. And, uh, man, it, it became uh, an evangelistic tool 
that uh, almost like it was uh, part of God's plan. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, but we've been able to talk to people and have people come into our homes that probably would have been really hard to just make the jump straight into a church service. But uh, everybody likes to, to eat a little something and everybody likes to feel loved on. And uh, in our house, we were, we were able to do that. Uh, people of the community that, uh, you know, we had no connection with otherwise, but through this or that, uh, a little work here or there, you know, a little connection would be made, just enough to invite them to that, that meeting. And uh, that has um, turned into many people visiting the church that, uh, that may not have otherwise and, and getting something uh, there in our house that uh, they, they hadn't been receiving on their own. So I think... Um, Gone are the days when we can just take the Savior that is within every one of us and then lock him up in our houses, in right. our comfort, and, and, right. and, and rob God of the tools that he's equipped us with. We have a community that's out there, and, and we have all everything that's necessary to reach them and to change them and have God transform their lives. And they'll do it right there in our homes. And he's been able to do that with, uh, with us there in Holly Springs. We're thankful for that. believe this year, this season, we're going to see an, uh, uh, an explosion in our community. And it's going to happen through these life groups. earlier that just talking about um maybe it was when brian was talking i loved when we first started that um young adults life group because you get to see like me and austin we're usually playing singing on the platform doing something and you see us but a lot of people don't know us there's such a difference to to know of somebody and then to know somebody and when you get in your house and you're sitting around the table eating, uh, joking around, just being people. You know, that's, that's such another level of, of uh, unity and just connection that you cannot get. You can't get that across the room looking at somebody. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole nother level. And I love, um, we do our youth life group now. <coughs> And, and I love that because we are, we are, I feel very connected to our young people. I love our young people. I'm, everywhere we travel, when we talk about our youth group, I'm like, they're the best people in the world. I love them. <laughs> and they're like, whoa. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but, but it's because I get to be with them all the time. And I've learned to know them. I know them on a personal level and they know me. I'm a very real person. To them, you know, they don't see me as some like, oh, that's Sister Elizabeth. We don't, we don't touch her, you know. Like, it's not like that. I'm just a person. We're all just people, and we wouldn't know each other that way if we didn't have life groups. Just sitting around the table making jokes about Bobby and <laughs> <laughs> and whatever, whatever we're doing. I just, I love that. We're. I would not feel this. I know I would not feel this way about our youth group if we didn't have life groups with Amen. them. 
And just to add on to that, because of life groups, I was able to get more connected with my youth pastor and with my youth pastor's wife, Sister Elizabeth. Um, it, it's, it's been so amazing. You know, not, they're saying that they got connected with us, but we got connected with them. And it's, it's really struck a revival in our youth group. Honestly, without life groups, I don't think our youth group would be where it's at now. I agree. I agree 100%. And also, I know through the Be Free ministry and um, a lot of the people, the new, new converts that came in, they came through the Grow class, which is another great thing that is, is great for here at the church. But um, like Nicole and Jamie and Shelby, and I don't want to start naming Nate, Ashley, but like we've, I did it anyway, didn't I? Um, but I was going to talk about Sister Shelby because we've just seen her, man, you, first of all, we, we, we had her in grow class, but also in life group. So in, she'd just sit here. Now, I know y'all can't believe this, but she wouldn't say a word, and she would just sit there. And Kevin would keep encouraging her to talk and talk and talk, and now it's like she's studying and the things that God reveals to her and the things that she says and the power in her prayers it's just amazing, and I think Life Group has helped that because when you're in the Word and when you're, you know, what you surround yourself with, people you surround yourself with, that's very important to your, your walk with God. So if you're always around godly people, you're going to be on fire for God. You just can't help it. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I want to tag one more thing on to what you're talking about off of what Sister Elizabeth said. A lot of times we as people want to size ourselves up with people that are sitting on the pew beside us. And these life groups have really opened the door for a lot of folks to realize, hey, they're real people too. And they deal with the same thing that I deal with. And I'm learning a different way. Or maybe, you know, it may not be the way you need to do it, but you're definitely seeing it from a different angle. Why don't one of you all that host a life group kind of tell us what happens? Tell us what happens at a life group. Because we talk about They're life different. groups. But, but what, what could somebody expect? Maybe someone that's here that would come to a life group for the first time. What could they expect? Right. So every life group is different. Um, there are similarities. Um, usually we get together at the starting time. Well, some people do. Um, <laughs> Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get together, we'll start fellowshipping, just hanging out, talking, you know, how your day, how's your day been, whatever. Just casual talk for a little bit, just to kind of break the ice, and then, and then we'll eat. Uh, I don't know, my, I don't know what every life group does, but I know mine eats at about 30 minutes after the start, or 15 minutes after the start, something like that. Um, we have a time schedule that we kind of go by, uh, but... We'll eat and fellowship, and we'll have, we'll have just a fantastic time of, of, of fun and uh, communication with one another. And then at about 7.30 at my house, uh, I'm just going to give you an example of mine. If somebody has something different, that's fine. Um, at, at about 7.30, we'll open up the Word and do a devotion. Sometimes that's teaching. Sometimes that's simply a devotion, just talk about the Word a little bit. Uh, sometimes it turns into preaching. Um, it's what happens when you have a preacher as a life group leader. I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> um, sometimes that happens. And then after that, we'll enter into prayer. Uh, it, it all varies according to the flow of the Spirit. We try to follow the Holy Ghost and not get stuck in a rut. But we'll, we'll get into the, the uh, Spirit and start praying. And, uh, we've seen people get the Holy Ghost. 
We've seen people get baptized in Jesus' name. We've seen people get delivered. Amen. We've seen these things happen, haven't we? We've seen amazing things happen in these life groups. And in other times, we just pray a simple prayer. And that's all it was for the, the will of the Lord for that night. Because the, the fellowship may have been the priority for that night. Um, and sometimes we'll talk like we're doing right now. We'll just discuss things. We'll, do, we'll start the topic off and we'll start discussing things. Uh, at other times, we'll do music. We've done music a time or two in my life group. And I know some others that have done so as well. So kind of like we did this with an acoustic set, uh, Brother Sergio played and we sang. Um, it's good to worship together in the home. It's good to pray together in the home. It's good to talk to, about the Word together. And, and that's essentially what we do at Life Group. So what you're seeing right now is like half a Life Group. It's like the end of the Life Group where we just kind of talk about the Word and what was just spoken. So that's how uh, mine usually goes. I don't know if anyone wants to add something to that. They're all just, they vary between groups. Ours, he said sometimes he preaches. He didn't mean to lie, but he may have. He, Every time. He came and spoke at my house one night, and we had a Holy Ghost hoedown in the front yard. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, he usually ends up preaching, and we just about have a service every time. And then there's others... And, and you just, you have to try them out. If you come to ours and you're like, okay, like the Holy Ghost was great, but I'm that, you know, that's a little much for me. I'm not quite that social or, or maybe, you know, whatever. If you don't like it, go to somebody else's life group that makes you feel more comfortable. There are all Every one of them is going to be different. They're all different. And there's nothing wrong with, it's not like church hopping. We're all the same church. <laughs> We're all the same church. So you can go to... Kevin's life group one week and then go to Brother Danny's life group. And of course it is good to find one that you feel comfortable in and stay. That way you can build your relationships and that kind of thing and really grow as a disciple. Um, but there's, you can, you can try them all out and that's totally fine. And nobody will be offended because we are all on the same team. We're all the same church. Right. I know, uh, visiting Brother Danny's from time to time, uh, discussions will happen like this maybe we bait maybe he's he's uh, in the middle of speaking or he's finished speaking or but you know, somebody has had a rough week yeah. somebody's got uh, some trouble in their family sickness uh, whatever it is just like just like when we're here and uh, it has how many people has sat in the chair at brother Danny's house <laughs> uh, look when there's a need we just we just we just bring folks uh, they want to uh, have prayer over that. Uh, it happens right there in the middle of, of his room. Talk, talk about your place over there, Brother Danny. Uh, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to say something before I get into that. Uh, if, if you're thinking about hosting a life group or you're saying there's no way I, I can't do that, these two guys... I feel led by God because it's just the way I am. I like to be reclusive to myself. Uh, they push me into growth in, in the will of God. Uh, they, they push me into a life group, and I told them, you took my only safe place. I, that's the only place I can go and be alone. And uh, 
it, some, some that were there in the beginning, I'd, I'd be pacing back and forth. I'd be nervous, and I, I get that way. Even when, when you get a word from God and you're going to minister, but come into your safe place, it's, it's, it's like uh, being very vulnerable. But I want to tell you that it's helped me to grow as a leader. It's caused me to pray more. It's caused me to study more. But not just that, but to see how much we need one another. I've said it many times standing right here. I like to stay to myself, but, but I realize how much I need my brethren, the fellowship. Everybody in here has a testimony that somebody else needs. And they're not going to get it when we're sitting in the sanctuary listening to the awesome leaders that we have. I, I thank God for this place. But there's fellowship outside of this place that's so much needed for every one of our developments and to realize, like Brother Kevin was saying, we're not alone. Uh, there's things we all go through. And, and unless you get comfortable and connected with somebody, there's no way you're going to open up and realize I'm not the only one fighting this same battle. Yeah. And, and, and us investing in one another, it helps you grow tremendously. And so... Uh, you're saying express or speak about uh, life group. Uh, I, I just want to see the same thing I want to see here, I want to see there. I, I don't want to come in here and, and something not happen for me or for you. And, and if you come into my house, I don't want you to leave the same way. I want to get into the presence of God. I want something to happen for you. If you just leave encouraged or strengthened, there's a lot of stuff in this life. Situations are not going to change. It's going to wax worse and worse. But this right here can. You're, you're, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you see. And that happens from us getting into the spirit of God. And we think this is a Sunday, Wednesday thing. And God did not create it that way. He created this thing to be daily. Daily. And, and, and when you realize that you can get into the presence of God and the spirit of God and there's peace outside of a Sunday service, though we need that. We, we can, if you just address church as, as Sunday and Wednesday, you fall into a tradition or religion situation to where it becomes just what, what I do. And, and then, it's, it, then it becomes easy to fall into a, a comfortable place. This is where I sit. This is my favorite song. And, and there's so much happening in the spirit. It's just what we do. And God's called us to a relationship with him, but not just with him, with the body, ministering to the body. And that's what happens inside these life groups. I know one thing that you talked about a couple of challenges that when you, when you started having that at your house, taking your, your private space or ta taking your, uh, uh, the, the place where you go for, for to, to be, of course, that's, our, that's what our houses are. But um, I've heard a lot of people talk about the things that's changed in them. And one thing that I, I think really needs to change in all of us is the, uh, uh, the reclusiveness that we all share and trying to stay to ourselves when I know that's the comfortable thing. Hey, we're tired. We just, we want to, who wants to add uh, something else on another night when you're just loaded schedules. Uh, but this is how apostolic fellowship happens. 
It's how it happens when we press ourselves to become open, to, to step out of the vulnerability that you're talking about that we all have. But, but doing that changes you. It transforms you into that Christ-like image that Pastor was talking about. It, it, it doesn't look like that's something that could be possible just by you know going to somebody's house and eating a little bit. But I'm telling you, it makes a difference in you. It'll change the atmosphere in your home, in your life, on your daily uh, thinking. It'll transform you. Yes. So you keep referring to biblical apostolic fellowship. Um, reference in Acts 2.42, they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and breaking of bread and in fellowship and in prayers. Um, the word for fellowship is koinonia. It means a partnership, a participation, a social intercourse, um, a, to communicate, to have communion, to have fellowship. Uh, I feel like there was one more part. This is an extensive definition. Uh, I should have highlighted the spots. But you, you get the point. It's a deep fellowship. Um, it's an intimate fellowship. Koinonia. It's an intimate fellowship that you cannot get at church. Now, I believe in church as much as anybody. I'll debate with you right now. If you want to say that we don't have to go to church, I'll debate with you right now. We need church. Okay? Right, right. Come on, bring it. I, I'm ready. <laughs> we need church. But we don't get everything we need at church. Okay? We need that koinonia. We need that fellowship, that biblical fellowship. Brother Kevin, you have a very uh, good understanding of that. Can you describe that a little bit more? Well, uh, anybody like the Mexican restaurant after Sunday night service? Come on. Yeah. Come on now. All right. We all do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yamato. Yeah. Well, there's some disagreements, but whatever. Um, we would, uh, us apostolics say that you have to like coffee and Mexican restaurants if you're going to be apostolic because that's where a lot of stuff goes on. But no, what we call fellowship uh, might be something like that, just kind of getting together, end of a service, and, and all that's fun and everything, but it's not the same thing as when you come together in uh, uh, an atmosphere where you've come, number one, to worship God and to love others. Uh, and when you come with though that openness and you're making yourself vulnerable uh, uh, to receive that uh, from other people and then also to, to share things with people that, uh, that you normally don't. Something happens. There's a connection that's made, like Sister Liz was talking about, uh, where she couldn't have gotten as close to the group as she has without that openness and vulnerability and, and community and connection and praising God and, and worshiping Him, uh, all of these things working together, it produces some kind of thing that uh, of God's design, an apostolic fellowship that you just can't get uh, having a cup of coffee somewhere with somebody. All those things are nice. All those things are necessary. We love doing them. But there's something in the, the small group settings, opening up your home or going to the home of someone who has opened it for you. And it produces something you can't get any other way. Yeah. This guy talks all the time on the morning show, and he hadn't said a peep tonight. Hey, they say best for last. 
He realizes Pico. there's a bunch of old people up here with me today, so he's going to keep it. <laughs> no, I actually do have something to say. Um, I want to tag along something that Brother Danny said. It really resonated with me. Brother Danny talked about how life groups challenged you to step out, right, and go outside of your comfort zone. I know for me, Brother Austin, you know, being a, a young leader in the, in the youth group, uh, Brother Austin has asked some of the young guys before to speak in the youth life group. And I'll be honest with you, you know, when you get asked, you kind of get nervous, you kind of get shaky. And even while you're up there, you know, the same feelings happen. But what I've seen is that it has helped me as a leader in the youth group grow. And I believe Sister Allie was even asked to speak once. And there's even some of you, I'm looking across the auditorium, and I believe there's plenty of you out there who've spoken at life groups. And what I get from that is that it's just challenged us and helped us to grow as leaders and as speakers. You know, sometimes we don't really know what we have within us until we're pushed out to do it. You know, and that's just something that has really, uh, when you said that, it really spoke to me because I know it's helped me grow as a leader. Absolutely. And I can say he, uh, the young ministers have grown tremendously from doing that very thing. And we've seen, it's not just an opportunity for them to speak, but we've seen uh, fantastic results. Uh, Brother Jaimito, stand, if you will. Everybody loves Brother Jaimito. Amen. <laughs> He came in one night to a youth service. You can sit. You can, he came in one night to the youth service, got the Holy Ghost for the first time. He came in. He told me he was laughing because it was funny. It, what was going on in there was funny to him. It, and, and what we do in church is funny to the world. Okay? And so he was in there laughing, but by the end of it, he was in there crying, and he ended up getting the Holy Ghost. Uh, a week or two later, uh, he comes over to the to the house for a life group. First time he'd come to a life group. Pico just so happens to be uh, teaching, did a fantastic job teaching on deliverance. And, um, well, uh, Brother Jaimito prays through the Holy Ghost again. The, the place is just erupting in prayer. It is amazing what's happening. And uh, he comes up to me, and he, he says, Brother Austin, I want to be baptized. No, actually, I come up to him, and I talk to him, and, and I what do you think about being baptized? He said, I think I need to. And I said, okay, let's go do it. So we went over here to the church, baptized him, gave him a little Bible study and all this. We walked back, and it's about 1130 after we'd done this, this Bible study and everything, baptized him. Prayer had already went a long time. Now, this don't normally happen. Oh, you want to go home early? You can go home early. But this don't normally happen like this. This was a very unique night. Um, but we're, we're walking back about 1130, and by the time we're get, approaching the house, we're hearing loud prayer again. I'm like, no way. They're still in there praying. And, and the Holy Ghost had swept over that place. We got in there. Somebody had received the Holy Ghost in the house, and somebody had given up their vape. Yeah. Awesome. Amen. Amen. So God can use people uh, that may not even have a pulpit ministry yet. To affect people powerfully in these life groups. Just to add on, I'm thinking about that night. It was making me emotional because later on that night, I took a girl home and she said, Wait, will you stop? Will you pull over real quick? She asked me to stop and pull over by a trash can. And she got out of the car, threw something away, came back and got in the car. And we're on our way. I'm dropping her off. And she's telling me, I just threw away my vape. She said, Both of them. She threw away two vapes after that life group. And Brother Ely asked that question earlier. He said, what, what is something we've gotten from life group? And I was sitting here thinking, I was like, oh, goodness, I hope it doesn't come to me because I have nothing to say. But I'm listening to everybody talk, and I started thinking, 
I've been almost every single life group, probably, like, I think every single life group except for the Tuckers. And I've gotten different things from each life group. I come to my life group, like the youth and the adultish one, and I get fellowship, and I get to spend time with my friends, and occasionally I get, like, we get, de- like, delivered from things, and I get used, and it gets, pushes me out of my comfort zone. I got to speak once. And then I go to Brother Danny's life group, and if I'm struggling that week, I get prayed for, and I feel like I get emotional healing, and I feel like I get encouraged. And then I go to Brother Craig's life group, and the gifts of the Spirit start stirring up in me. So each and every single life group has its own specific purpose, and I've, I've like, every single life group has taught me so much, helped me grow so much. Had it not been for these life groups, yes, I've built relationships, but I've built my most important relationship with God, and it's, it's been a powerful thing. So the whole point of this panel is if you're not involved in a life group, I highly suggest it. I would not be here had I not been to a life group, really. Amen. Um, I want to turn it over to Brother and Sister Hakeem right now. They are brand new uh, to the life group ministry. Um, they, they are doing a great job. They've started one in Oxford. Um, but I know that Life Groups has been impactful to you all as well. So if, if you would, share whatever's on your heart about, about Life Groups. Well, right now, I feel like I'm a kindergartner. Can you all hear me? Praise the Lord. I feel like I'm in kindergarten. Just put the team up. I feel like I'm in kindergarten with a bunch of college professors here because <laughs> Pam and I are, are absolute novices with Life Group, um, the Life Group concept. I, uh, I had a pulpit ministry for over 20 years at our old church, and I was asked to be the leader of the Oxford Life Group, and I had to make an adjustment, and you know, I'm kind of like you, I'm reclusive, I like to be private, and it, 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 had, it was a transition for me, um, but the thing I want to emphasize is we seek after the Lord in the life groups. You know, with the church, we have the fivefold ministry. It operates out there as much as it operates in here. Um, and I've, I've been enjoying life group, and I've got a bunch of messages that I preach. I can just pull them out, or I, or I could just say, you know, um, or, or, you know, the, the Lord will lead me to give me a new message. Um, I, I don't preach. I don't feel led to preach in our life group because it's a smaller group and it's more intimate. And um, it, 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 and that requires a different kind of dynamic. Absolutely. But, um, it, you know, and like you always you know, it was a paradigm shift for me. I think decades ago, I, there was, we were at a, a general minister's conference or whatever, and, and someone had a book on home church movement, and honestly, I thought it was subversive, but, uh, you know, it's in, the, it's in the Word of God. I understand that. Um, but just to echo what everyone else has been saying, you do achieve a level of relationship and intimacy with each other in these life groups that is not really possible in a large group setting. And I, I can't wait for ours to start back up. Um, you know, we've seen, uh, uh, we've seen, 
It's a smaller group, basically two families, um, but it's been great to see folks open up yes. and um, express needs. And you know, we just have to be mindful that even if we don't have new uh, folks coming in, we can still minister to each other. Yes, we need each other. Yeah. We need each other. Yeah. Just going to say, um, I want to thank this church for loving and helping so many people, and even my family, too. And Larry does a good job um, including everybody and getting participation with everybody in the group, and I've enjoyed it. Amen. That, that's one thing. It's... Um, you know, you know, when you're up here preaching, it's you. Well, it's the Lord talking through you, but you've got you've got the platform, so to speak. Uh, but what I like to do is I want to draw others, and I want I want there to be a a dialogue, because it's just it'd be too easy for me to just whip out my notes uh, and and just preach a message, and I don't feel led to do that in the Oxford Life Group, at least not right now. But Pam will probably tell you I do get probably preachy sometimes, right, you know, I don't know, and uh, while I'm up here, I'm going to give a general invitation, if anyone is in Oxford on a Thursday night, uh, 6.30, come and visit us, Amen. food, fellowship, it's all apostolic, and it's great. He said food, Brother Brian. <laughs> well, has anybody else got anything to share? If you go to a life group and me and Leather's there, she won't be this quiet. <laughs> You'll see the real Leather. Yeah, that's right. All right. Going once. Going twice. I've had like 500 things I've wanted to say. We don't have time for all of it, though, so you might as well just shut her down. All right. Well, why don't we all stand? Have you enjoyed this tonight? Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Um, we're going to do one last thing before we dismiss, so please don't head out the doors yet. This won't take but less than five minutes. Um, we're going to do a quick sign-up. I encourage everybody in the room to get out your phone, though. This is going to be the quickest and easiest way of getting uh, the, the information. There are sheets. If you, don't, if you are an older person and you don't know how to use your phone, uh, that's Okay. You, you can take the walk of shame up here. I, I'm just playing. I'm sorry. Um, you, but there, there, are, there are sheets up here. If you're not comfortable with using your phone, you don't know. But for your convenience, we're going to put it on the screen. Um, media team, let me know when you got it ready. I'm trying to connect to the uh, computers back there right now. But while you're waiting on me, go to the Bethlehem Church app. You will find, now I should be connected, if they can put it up on the screen. Um, you will find on the Bethlehem Church app, the very first thing at the very top says life groups. It's like a picture, just like that one right there. Uh, click on that picture, and you will see, there's my phone. All right, here we go. Bethlehem Church app. All right, very first picture is life groups. Click on that picture. I don't know why 
why my phone's being slow. You can ask Ethan. It worked great today. All right, here we go. Now, life groups, uh, let's see. So it gives you a little information about it. Then scroll down. You'll see sign up for life groups below. That's where you want to be. Push start. Very easy. Type in your name. If you don't know how to spell your name, I probably can't help you. Put in your age. You all know how old I am now. Yep, we're going to do social uh, social and everything. Nah. All right. Email. Y'all don't wear my phone out now. Okay, so now you've got different, uh, different options. Which life group would you like to choose? Uh, choose one according to your preferred company of fellowship, time, location, age group, if specified, or topic if specified. So what that means is some of these groups have specific topics. We've got Brother Craig work on Tuesday. Um, it's not in Holly Springs, Brother Ethan. We'll fix that. He saw that. Um, that is right here in Bethlehem at Brother Craig's house. Uh, Tuesday at 6.30, men's enrichment is for men 18 and older. Um, we have the youth life group at my house on, on Thursdays at 6.30. It actually alternates Thursday, Friday, depending on the month. Um, we have an adultish group as well, so they'll be on Friday as the youth is on Thursday. Uh, we have Brother David and Sister Dana Hughes uh, Thursday at 6.30 p.m., Bethlehem, Mississippi at their house, and it, the topic of choice is foundational truths. Now, some will have topics, some will not have uh, main topics. We have Brother Larry and Sister Pam Hakeem and, and Brother Kevin and Sister Christy Coker Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. at the Coker's house. Um, theirs is a general life group for anybody that wants to come, any age group, any interest, you're welcome to come. Um, Ethan and Anna Tucker are Thursday nights at 7 p.m. in the Cornersville, Mississippi area, right there at their house. Their focus is the young married uh, couple. So if you are a young married couple, you want to be at that life group. Uh, also on Thursday, we got a lot of Thursday life groups. On Thursday, we got 7 o'clock, Kevin and Michelle Leslie in Holly Springs, Mississippi. Um, they, they have another general life group, whoever wants to come. It doesn't matter. There's no specific topic, just a, a good time of fellowship in the Word. Also, we have uh, Brother Tim and Sister Lorena Tucker in New Albany on Fridays. Um, this is also at their house. The focus is family. Focus on the family. If you have a family, and I'm sure we all do, you can bring it there and have a great time there. We also have a brand new life group. We have Brother Perfecto Martinez, Sister Gabby Pantoja. And they are doing a Spanish life group Friday nights at 7 p.m. in New Albany at Sister Gabby's house. It's going to be a great time. If you speak Spanish in here, you need to be at that life group. Um, we also have Ashley Watson uh, leading the ladies' life group, Ladies Enrichment, Bethlehem, Mississippi, at her house, uh, Saturday at 9 a.m. Saturday at 6 p.m., Danny and Trina Barber. They have a general life group for any, any audience that wants to come. That is here at Bethlehem, Mississippi. We encourage you to join one of those life groups. If you don't have an, any idea what to join, you're really uh, uh, torn, you can click that last option and one of our uh, leaders will help you decide what that is. Then 
simply click submit and all is done. It's actually a lot easier than what it sounded. I just made it sound long because I read it so, so much. Also, again, if you're uh, computer illiterate, there are papers here. Amen. I'm sorry. I'm not that mean. I'm just, I'm just picking around. Why don't we lift our hands? Let's pray. Let's pray over the season of life groups. We're believing God to do amazing things. Father, we thank you for edifying us, equipping us, helping us tonight. Thank you for teaching us and giving us knowledge of the word of the Lord. God, we want to be absolutely apostolic in everything that we do, in our approach, in, in our worship, in our prayers, in our apostolic doctrine, everything, God. Let it be done according to your will. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that, that this season of life groups will be a, a season of exponential growth, that you will add to the church daily such as should be saved, oh God. We want the anointing to flow. We want there to be true koinonia fellowship, biblical fellowship. Let it flow in the place, oh God. Bring this church together in a greater uh, demonstration of power and of the Holy Ghost and bring us together in unity and in one accord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord and give Him praise for what He's going to do this year through life groups. Amen, amen, and amen. If you want to stick around and ask the life group leaders anything, talk to the life group leaders. Life group leaders, you're welcome to. You can be dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.